Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's happening, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. It's a conversational Keyforge podcast brought to you by Keyforge Friends here in Vancouver, British Columbia, and it's for Keyforge friends all around the world. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, but also known as Alex, and I am joined by my Keyforge chums. We got the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, what's up, all? And Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's the halves, Blake? Hey guys, how's it going? How have you guys been keeping over the course of the last week? Uh, some rough spots, but mostly I've been playing Keyforge and keeping well. That's really good to hear. I've been uh, jamming some Keyforge as well, and uh, I'm, go- I'm starting to go stir crazy a little bit, just a little bit. I'm, I'm starting to realize, even though I didn't uh, go out that much, it was those few hours of like interacting with uh, other people. It actually makes a big difference. Absolutely agreed. With that understanding, it was pretty amazing that we were able to play uh, a couple of sealed tournaments over the course of the last couple of weeks. We discussed in detail how that went in terms of how we set it up and how Blake had all the product going over the course of the last couple of episodes. If you're interested in knowing how we did it, you know, please, by all means, go and check out those episodes. Uh, what was your guys' experience like playing those, uh, playing those games? Uh, mine, actually, due to things that I got in said decks, I had a lot of fun. Didn't, <laughs> didn't win, but they were fun decks to play. And what about yourself, Blake? Honestly, I had a lot of fun. It was, it was, I realized that even though we weren't like being able to be in person, that, that group talking and of people we all know locally very well that we actually see, like it's not, it's different when you, when you play online with people that you've never actually met, but when it's people, you know, like quite well locally and just getting that, vocal interaction and getting to jam games i find it actually makes a big difference and um i just want to give a shout out also to um both stewart aka cryogen and uh mr grant titus for both having platforms that are available to jam games um having those both available is really helpful there there was a happened to be an issue on tco yesterday which uh, at the moment that we started it was momentary but it, it delayed things so we just jumped over to knowledge's power and not only that but um crowd and stewart basically looked into it and replied to us on twitter to let us know and it was fantastic just to have um that support and the community like being aware of things that are happening and responding and i i just want to say that i appreciate both of them for creating these two different platforms to have two different gaming experiences when playing Keyforge, and i think it's just uh, invaluable that during this time they both have created these and and they're both fantastic resources during this time yeah i, I heard a lot of buzz uh when kip came, uh came out that it was going to divide the community and that hasn't been my experience at all um i have not found that there has been an excessive like a drop in the number of games available on the crucible um in fact i find that it's been pretty consistently great like there's always games going on right now um and you know to wit i i think it's one of those classic cases of a rising tide raises all ships Mm-hmm. which I is agree. something that you know I, I really take to heart in uh, situations like this. Um, but one of the things that we've been talking about is that uh, what with this situation in the world right now, which we don't need to go into in greater detail, um, we feel like uh, people may have uh, you know uh, less commute time to listen to podcasts. Um, they may be a little less interested in what's going on in the world, like Keyforge with no organized play. So we thought we'd dig into some nice evergreen topics and try and put out sort of like these nice concise little pieces with our takes on the game from beginning to date and uh, what better way to break that down than by house so we're going to start off this week by talking about house untamed 
a favorite house of all three people on the podcast right now. Would you say that's accurate? I would definitely say it is, yep. Oh, yeah. That's why, Rick, you had to be a part of this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So let's just start things off. Blake, tell me about your thoughts on the identity of Untamed at the very beginning of the game at CODA. So at at CODA, I think everyone knows if you see a Untamed house in CODA, nine times out of ten, that is going to show that it has burst potential. It's going to be generating a lot of ember very quickly and probably with a key cheat or two to follow. I think that sums it up in the most like succinct, like one sentence sort of way. I would definitely agree with that statement. So absolutely. when you were playing Coda decks, guys, how did you find that, that untamed played in comparison to other houses? Like what was it that was special about that house? Well, for me, Personally, I just, I love the burst. I loved how easy it was to come out and get a key. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rick on that. Like, I think it was just like, you could just suddenly like go from zero to a key and there's nothing your opponent could do about it in that, in that time frame. And then you have other threats. Like it just had a lot of like onboard threats mm-hmm. uh, in a different way that other houses did. Cause I think you could say like the, every house had onboard threats, but the threat it possessed was not like you could ignore it. Like if you chose to ignore it, it would a hundred percent hurt you due to the fact that you have witch of the eyes, you have hunting witches. And if those cards stayed on the board, they're going to utilize things over and over. And I mean, that's where the original like nature's call, which of the eye is like the original before the, the glimmer nature's call. existed. <laughs> yeah. And, and you just had that potential. The witch lock. Yeah, exactly. And then you could just see them just go over and over. Like you had to kill the witch like that. That is the statement that existed from the start of the game and does not exist for any other house. Yeah, it was the king, I think, of having the must destroy threats in the coda era so it was the burst but it was also those cards like hunting witch and witch of the eye that were just like these you cannot let them live the threat is too great the danger is too real Mm -hmm. agreed and although not a creature full moon did the same thing as hunting witch so yeah you you do have to look out for that as well yeah those comboing burst that existed there there were a lot of them like it was it was a it was something you couldn't prevent as well because the 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 key cost increase I think only existed in Untamed at that time too, if I'm not mistaken. It was only oh no, there's Iron Obelisk was the only other one I think where there was an actual key cost increase on the board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Am I, am I right, or is there, am I missing one? I'm pretty sure those would be the ones. I'm trying to think what another key costing. Oh uh, no, in Mars there was um, Grabber Jammer. Right. Oh yes, and Grabber Jammer Grabber Pack. Jammer. Yeah, yep. those ones. So key cost increase wasn't a, as much of a thing as it is now. So that's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's funny too, because when we were started talking about this topic and I was thinking about, oh man, all the amazing bursts that used to exist and then they got rid of it all in AOA. And then I actually went and looked at the AOA card pool and yeah, some of the most iconic cards from the original run were gone, but a lot of them were still there. So l- let me let me just go over some some of the things that I noticed when I was going through the AOA pool here. Because looking at it originally, I was like, okay, 
Witch of the Eye is gone. Witch of the Eye was an incredible card, but there was lots of cards that actually came in to provide similar powers. For example, you had uh, cards like Gravid Cycle that allowed you to retrieve a card from your discard pile. Now, that was an Omega action, but came with a Pip of Amber, so that kind of supplants some of what uh, the, the Witch of the Eye had. Additionally, you had Glimmer that let you take a card from your discard pile as an Alpha action, and it was a creature, a one-power creature, which, as you alluded to, Blake, allowed you that sort of Glimlock, uh, that uh, the classic combo. Um, so there was many ways in which that still existed. Additionally, Full Moon was still in AOA, and cards like Flaxia and Fuzzy Groon were still there. So it wasn't like there was no Amber Burst on creatures there either. Additionally, they got a tool like Dusk Witch, which was pretty incredible, I think, in terms of presenting, once again, one of those must-destroy threats in the style of those classic cards. Plus, so many of the things that I think were really remarkable about the tool set of Untamed and Kodo were still there. It has the easy key cheats. You've got Chota Hazri and uh, 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 key, key Charge. Yeah, and those are the two unparalleled key cheats because they're the easiest ones to pull off. Got seven amber? Get yourself a key. Yep. On top of that, you still had these great cards like Mimicry, arguably the absolute best utility card in the history of the game. Nature's Call is still there. Uh, yep. Regrowth is still there. Plus, you got some interest. Oh, Taliga is still there, who is great. Witch of the Wilds, an underrated card, I think, in terms of what it allows you to do with uh, house cheating. Plus, a bunch of other new and interesting tools. Um, Fogbank was still there. Um, uh, it, you know, I, it's funny because I had this memory in my mind of like, oh, yeah. Coda was like so amazing uh, for Untamed and then so terrible for, uh, you know, in AOA. And it turns out in my mind, like when I was looking, I was like, no, a AOA has like a terrific Untamed card pool set. I wonder if it's just that many of the decks that I pulled had some of the lesser tools. I think it's also that AOA Untamed, there was like, there was not such a thing as like Ember Control in any way. Like was, was even Mermook in that still? Uh, yeah, uh, Mermook was not there in AOA. Yeah, see, so you lost the Mermook, and then on top of it, you had Logos as well, which had no Ember Control. So if you got Untamed in Logos, that means two-thirds of your deck doesn't have Ember Control. And mm -hmm, I think that mm -hmm. was a big problem with it, was all. Because it was a right, big problem. Yeah, it had those things. Like, I mean, Punctuated Equilibrium was born in AOA, and that's arguably, like, one of the most, like, punishing cards in the I game. I love that card. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it also gave us Heart of the Forest, which is truly one of, like, the most skill intensive cards to play against yes it is um and it has certain decks that make it almost unbeatable in terms of what it can do because it creates these scenarios in which you have to not gain amber which runs antithetical to the way most decks play um yeah, I, I don't like heart of the forest i i find it's like one of the least fun games you'll be a part of like oh absolutely play, i never have yep. fun playing it always just feels like I know the way this is going to go, and I and unless you have artifact control, in which case you just hold that for dear life, you just pretty much are in a position where you know that game is not going to end well for you as soon as it hits the board. Yeah, absolutely agreed. It, it is one of those things where it just it's it's a skill testing card, but it's not a fun card. Yeah, no. and that in many ways I think runs up against like certain ways that we like to think about Keyforge. We're all people who like to play competitive Keyforge, but we're also people who want that experience to not be terrible and not fun. Yeah. Like, I don't have a good time, even if I'm playing in a super competitive Keyforge environment, if I feel like the game is a drag, because then yeah. it makes me question why I'm even doing it. No, yeah, I, I hear you on that one. Definitely. Also, a quick shout-out for a creature that I think, like, 
never gets talked about, but is actually pretty incredible. Amber Spine Mongrel from yeah. AOA. Yeah. I want them to bring that card back. <laughs> I love that card. Okay. So this is my perfect segue to jump in. So I'm, I'm going to be talking about the Worlds Collide mm-hmm. side of this. And I literally realized that why does that card not exist in Worlds Collide? It would be the perfect thing in Untamed and Worlds Collide because you have all these Star Alliance that want to reap. You have, you're exalting through reaping and all this, like that punishment I feel would have been so appropriate. Like having, like I would have taken that over Molfin because Molfin feels like a version of Ember Spine Mongrel, but in a different way. Like it has the same hazardous, same power, and it just has a different effect. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I would much rather have the Ember Spine Mongrel. Like I have a deck with three of them, and I just love it. It's like a fun deck. Like it's not crazy competitive, but I mean, when you have it, so every time they reap, you're gaining three Ember. It really creates a different proposition for your opponent. Mm-hmm, so, absolutely. So I wanted to actually go a little bit deeper because I wanted to actually talk about the evolution up until Worlds Collide. So I feel that Worlds Collide is kind of taken on like Coda was. They went too powerful in OP and have since then been trying to correct that. And I think <laughs> AOA was almost like an aggressive correction. Yeah. So, so because, I mean, you had to start off with Hunting Witch, Full Moon, Dust Pixie, and Taliga. Those things were like the cornerstones of that Coda playing Untamed side of things. And of course, Nature's Call in there, but that's existed through um, all three sets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to follow that up, they went AOA. They're like, okay, we're going to get rid of Hunting Witch but we're going to keep the full moon. Now we're going to get rid of Dust Pixie, um, but and we'll keep Taliga. But we're going to add something like Soldiers to Flowers and Ember Spine Mongrel. So it creates a different way where this Ember burst is still happening, but it's it's being less where you're in control of that happening. And then the Soldiers to Flowers is a way of making it so it's like it's dual sided, which is interesting. So it's like nerfing that ability a little bit. I find. <laughs> and then um, you go next into Worlds Collide, and I think. I think this is where they almost feel like they got that balance in a way because you could argue that Harmonia is the nerfed version of Hunting Witch. Yep. Uh, it does the same thing, but it's it's got a condition attached to it. But the condition is not silly because you're in, in a game where big boards exist, if you're getting behind on board, you could go ahead on Ember by playing suddenly double Harmonia and then Creatures and suddenly gaining a whole bunch of Ember <laughs> and having something like Ghost Hawk exist with Song of the Wild. That's another way you're doing a burst. And then you have something like low dawn on top of it. Like these these ways that are again creating that burst potential. It's like they're they're tweaking the way Untame is doing what it was born to do because the original was like too overpowering. And I could see that. Like, could you imagine if you had that coda untamed in Worlds Collide? Like it would be bonkers, like the with some of the other cards that exist out there. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, please. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But Go ahead. Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that if you look at the cards that have existed across all three sets in Untamed, it really does give you a nice picture of sort of what Untamed is all about. Because you've got like Flaxia and and, uh, Fuzzy Gruen, who are sort of representative of that creature-based Amber Burst. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Grasping Vines, which has been across all three sets, which provides you with a little bit of Amber control. You've still got Key Charge. You've still got Nature's Call for board control. Um, those are cards that I think when you look at as being sort of like these, and a Taliga, once again, for a sort of like a creature-based uh, Amber Burst card. So it is one of those deals where when you look at it objectively, you, you sort of get this picture of Untamed, and they are a much more like well-rounded house in a lot of ways in terms of the kinds of things they do. 
part of the problem I think in worlds collide is that oftentimes there isn't enough focus. So you get a little bit of everything, but none of it in some decks, but it, I should say in some decks, it just doesn't coalesce into a fully functioning house because yeah. you've got a little bit of Amber Burst from your Fuzzy Gruen and a little bit of board control from your Fangtooth Cavern and maybe a little bit of board control from, I don't know, your Mustic Mermook or whatever. Or Nature's Call. Or your well. Nature's Call or whatever. Yeah. But in the way where it felt like in uh, Coda that Burst was the main identity and then you had a bunch of other cool tools that helped you out in other ways – things like mimicry and so on and so forth it never feels like you get a main identity out of untamed in worlds collide i don't think despite there being a ton of really great cards including once again mimicry still around still one of the best cards in the game yeah you're right there's it's lacking a little bit of that consistency so going forward one of the things that I think uh, I really like to see them is to focus in a little bit more on that identity. There's a thing that they've been consistently doing for the last little while with some of the cards in Untamed that I do not get at all, and it's this healing thing. Yes. Um, like, I do not think that Deepwood Druid is a good card. I think that healing is perpetually pretty bad in Keyforge. It's not a useful power. Board states are way too volatile, and now we have basically uh, a warding, which is a much cooler power and much more impactful to the game than being able to heal a creature. So I don't feel like Deepwood Druid is that great. Uh, it should most... be an uncommon, not a common, at least. Like yeah, that. yeah, like, yeah. Like if it exists, have it so it doesn't show up as much. And I feel like the Feathered Shaman would be better slotted because I think Feathered Shaman's an uncommon because it has mm-hmm. the reap ward its neighbors, and and it's and it would have been cool if it's a play reap ward its neighbors. Mm-hmm. because i mean why would you have um medic ingram exist and not put a similar thing to feathered shaman like that doesn't make sense to me uh and just make it not a fight like only fight reap and you just and just ward its neighbors i feel like that is would have been more appropriate and replacing the deepwood druid in a way mm-hmm. Good point. i absolutely concur i mean even darna when you go back to aoa she had a healing power but her play power, which was gain one amber for each damage friendly creature, actually let you burst with her a little bit. So it was oh, yeah. more of a hybrid feeling. Yeah. yeah, that was a cool one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess my whole thing is that for the next couple of sets, I would love it if we could see sort of a return to focus. And I'm not suggesting that we have to go back to the way things were with Coda, where it has this tremendous burst power, because that presents so many problems right like it's non-interactive in a lot of ways and unless your opponent has that super like one killer response card like a too much to protect or something else like that you're kind of boned right like somebody bursts up to 18 amber on their last key what are you gonna do like there's literally nothing you can do you can't raise key costs that high um so i you know i i just want to see cases where we take in all the tools that we've talked about, um, the classic identity, the fact that it has like a nice, well-rounded house, and just say, okay, let's put a little more focus into, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe we're talking about the ability to get keys easier. That's always been a thing, right? So um, you talk about things like um, the, the imprinted Mermook, which is a great card in Worlds Collide, and you combine that with a little bit of the burst that we still have. Uh, key charges and things like that and maybe aid and abet that and get rid of a few of the more like useless extraneous cards that are in the set, uh, the untamed set right now I'm thinking of things like Cauldron Boyle Gebuk um, oh Gebuk get rid of that thing please yeah I don't get that <laughs> card at all yeah like, exactly and bring like why didn't we have all three Mermooks in this set that's what I don't get either I feel like it would have made sense 
I mean, Mustik Mermook and the other Mermook are basically the same card, except Mustik has a better play power. No, but I mean, if you have the original Mermook, mm-hmm. so then it only increases your opponent's key, and then you have one that increases both your keys. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. That's good. Like, yeah. I feel like we should have just had all three. It would have made more sense for the flavor of the Mermooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I wonder if we'll see a mutated Mermook, Mermook next round. I'm hoping so. I'm thinking yeah. there's going to be a lot of mutes. A lot of mutants in Untamed. I agree. It'll be a for sure a mutant house. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, looking between the three sets when we were sort of doing our research, I noticed that there's still a lot of commonality in the identity of Untamed. I just think that there's enough kind of mediocre, so-so, not great cards in Untamed that it dilutes that identity a lot. And I'd love to see a return to that focus so that every single Untamed deck you pull is still super fun to play. And you're not wrestling around with, you know, three Deepwood Druids or, you know, some nonsense like that. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that'd be really cool. And I think, you know what, there is this, this is a general theme I think we're going to find when we analyze Coda onwards that they're they're trying to, like they made it too straightforward with Coda and too like in your face. And they're trying to just like evolve or devolve from that in a way to make it more like balanced. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of the times. And, and you know what, there's nothing wrong with that. Like mm-hmm. I think it made sense for the start of the game to make it like that. But being an evergreen system, it's now creating this kind of, catch-up effect in a way yeah mm-hmm. uh so that was a fun discussion look forward to more of these in the future as we go in through some of the houses that have existed in all three sets we might even visit in with some of our friends that have been absent for a little while uh, if you're a fan of house mars i would love to do an analysis of house mars at some point in the near future is that something you guys might be interested in oh yeah Possibly, for sure definitely All right, wonderful. We cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one is called Help Help from Future Self. Self. I got a real specific one, but it boned me twice in games last week, and I absolutely, absolutely have to bring it up because it's one of those ones that you don't think about until you get shafted by it. So I'm passing this on with the hopes that my bad experience or my bad play will help educate you and uh, help you give something to look out for. We all know that Purge is a big thing in uh, the the Worlds Collide meta. There's so much purging going on, especially uh, with uh, the dis houses uh, and so many cards that allow you to do uh, major league purging of your opponent's uh, pool uh, opponent's card pool using things like, I don't know, um, E on the fringe as if, the, as if they're also playing disc, but of course also Infernus and so on and so forth, no name, etc. Um, if your opponent has a universal recycling bin, for God's sakes, be careful of what you purge. <laughs> um, I 100% put amazing tool cards back in my opponent's hand by purging them without thinking about universal recycle bin being on the table. If I hadn't, and this was early in the game, I had two separate games in which I gave somebody back uh, artifact control, which they used to blow me out because I was using an artifact heavy deck. And I also put a uh, too much to protect back in somebody's hand because literally I went, I purged them very early on thinking, all right, I'm getting these out of the game. They drop universal recycle bin and then they instantly had access to them again. They didn't have to wait to cycle their deck. Oof. Yeah. Oof. oof. Ouch. And it was entirely my mistake. It was me not paying attention to Universal Recycling Bin when I was looking at the card pool. So if you are playing a deck that has heavy purge and your opponent has Universal Recycle Bin, be very wary 
of what you are purging because sometimes it's sitting in their discard pile is more advantageous to you than it being in sort of this limbo where they can pull it back if that artifact hits the table. I like it. Yeah. All right. Whew. It was a fun episode. Fun to chat yep. with you guys as always. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash HFFS podcast. You can also find us on Twitter under the same handle, HFFS podcast. You can find me at Scuzzy Groon on Instagram and on Twitter and on the Crucible. Where can they find you, Rick? On Twitter at uh, the Wheeling Key Forger and on Kip Tournaments and the Crucible at Rickster78. Right on. Where can they find you, Blake? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight, as well as on YouTube. Terrific. Thanks very much for listening. And until next time, stay fortunate.